July 3rd, 2023, one day before Independence Day. And we are here with another episode of the Crosstown Baseball Show. I'm your host, Anthony Shulo. And with me, as always, is the other Anthony, Anthony Romanelli. And we're here talking Cubs and Sox baseball, as always, um, maybe quite begrudgingly. But we are here doing it nonetheless. Is that right, Anthony? <laughs> that is right. I just wrapped up watching the Cubs blow a six-run lead. Uh, begrudgingly, yes, but always here. We are, and uh, it's going to be an exciting week or so. We're coming up on All-Star Week, the 93rd All-Star Game for Major League Baseball, which is just crazy to think about. And there were some announcements um, about who will be appearing in that All-Star Game. A couple of our Chicago uh, faithful made the list. Uh, So we'll talk about that today. We'll give you a kind of a review or a preview, rather, of the All-Star Week festivities. We'll talk about the MLB draft, and then we will end the show today with a really cool Cubs-related all-star game trivia question and it's a surprise for for romanelli so i'm eager to see if he gets my very hard trivia question correct i'm gonna go with no <laughs> i think i have more faith uh i have more faith in you i think than you have in yourself but we will we'll give it a go um at the end of the show um but Romanelli, I do want to start with the All-Star Game. We're going to kind of the plan today is to uh, preview um, the happenings of the All-Star Game. Obviously, we'll have a show next week, folks, next Monday, um, the the 10th, I believe that is correct, Monday the 10th, and that will be the day before the actual All-Star Game. Um, but t- today we're going to get you uh, primed, ready, uh, and and set for the, the 93rd Midsummer Classic uh, coming up next week. Um, but first and foremost, let's talk about who's actually going to the 93rd all-star game in Seattle and T-Mobile Park. Um, I, I will start off by saying, as I'm sure is no surprise to, to you, Romanelli, uh, no Cubs or Sox were elected by fans as starters. Can we just, can we just, you know, assume that that was a safe bet? What? <laughs> You're surprised by this? Shocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, nope. Not at all. Uh, no, not at all. But, but people did get in by this uh, uh, by a by a margin, and by when I say a margin, they were not selected by the fans. So the way it works, folks, is you have obviously the starters are uh, elated or elected by the by the fans, and then you have folks that are elected by the their peers, the players, and then folks that are just hand chosen by MLB because they can do that. Um, so uh, Marcus Stroman. Uh, for the Cubs was elected by the players and Justin Steele is also going and he was chosen by MLB. Our guys. Um, I said this to you via text. We would do okay as MLB GMs. We know good talent when we see it. Uh, We just do. Uh, I did not realize Stroman was going to be as good as he was. I did realize how good Steele was going to be. Um, and those two are one, two in the national league currently. Um, and if Hendricks had started a full and had a full season, they may very well be one, two, three in the national league. It's such a shame when those guys are pitching out of their minds that the team is just tanking. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. I do want to pick up on the Stroman conversation because we heard some more out of uh, out of the front office regarding the possible extension for Marcus Stroman. We'll touch on that later. Um, But also, let's not forget, joining uh, Stroman and Steele was also Dansby Swanson, who was elected as a reserve by the players. No surprise there. He's a I don't think he's just a fan favorite. I think he's a player's player. I I do, too. Um, I was hoping and I said this I've said this for two years now. Uh, I think Nico's on the verge, uh, but Swanson's been fun to watch all year. His defense, his leadership, uh, I think that's a great pick. I think they're going to be happy to have him in the dugout, and it's definitely well earned. Absolutely. Definitely. On the White Sox side, um, we have one sole representative going to the All-Star game. It's Luis Robert Jr., and, and no doubt you, in my mind. You picked him. He deserves to be. Uh, I, I did pick him as the as the sole representative, and and here's here's the thing with this though. He was not elected by the fans. He was not elected by the players. He was chosen by MLB as a reserve. So here's I, I kind of as I was going through this list was struck by the concept of MLB choosing because quite frankly, and maybe and maybe I'm looking at this with some bias here, but. 
Luis Robert Jr. is really having a solid year. I mean, he's he is. I mean, I believe right now he's second in the league in home runs in the American League in home runs. I mean, he's yep. hitting the ball all over. I defense is always spectacular. How did fans and his own peers miss out on not choosing him? I'm kind of dumbfounded by that. Um, the, the only reason I'm going to say I'm not, I, I would say dumbfounded is a strong word. Um, the only reason I'm not surprised is because they just can't seem to get anything going. One up, two down, two up, one down, no streaks of any, well, except the beginning of the year. Um, or no, after the beginning of the year, because the Cubs came out on, on fire. Um, they had that short little stint, but I don't think anybody's made enough of an impact to where they've made any noise. I just, I just don't, which is the same reason you picked him because you're closer than I am. So it's not a surprise to me that nobody, it is, it's not a surprise to me that nobody picked it. I would agree with you if, if inherently the all-star game wasn't about individual accomplishments and not about the team. Now I understand that does not, while that may be true, that's not how people look at it, but the fact remains, right. It's based on individual accomplishment, but I think this goes back and I know I'm kind of taking a tangent to a whole other conversation for another day, but this is evidence yet again. I firmly believe the, the Sox could win 60 games in a season or they could win 120 games in the season. They will always be overlooked on the national stage. That There is evidence for that, folks. We can have a whole conversation about it. There's a reason why Dylan Cease last year, he was the second in the damn Cy Young vote, didn't even get in the All-Star game, not chosen by fans, not chosen by MLB, not chosen by his peers. How does that happen? I'm just saying proof's in the pudding. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Because um, I thought you were going to say that they take second fiddle to the Cubs. Um, I'll Not agree necessarily. No, yeah. I'll, agree, I'll agree with you about the national stage because I remember it was a few years back when the White Sox were making a little bit of noise and like no one on ESPN had them covered in any way, shape, or form for anything. As, no. far, as far as I'm concerned, if I'm a Sox fan or Sox ownership or a Sox player, you know what? They, they continue to talk about selling the team. I'm not one for selling the team. I don't want them to leave. Um, oh, one other thing I didn't that I just found out that I didn't know. Uh, so I have to retract this. Uh, but you know what? If, if, the, if the whole world is going to ignore us, then we should move. But yes. one, one thing I didn't know, I did not know um, that Soldier Field is a national landmark. Yeah. I didn't know that. So they can't tear it down. They couldn't. They would have to come up. Well, okay. So I did yes, not, and, yes and I, no. Yes and no. So could they tear it down entirely? No, but they could make, they could retrofit it as long as it was approved by this, by the Chicago Park District in the city. Just keep that, that banner thing up. Like they always have the, the pillars, keep the pillars up and knock everything else down. Correct. Um, I didn't, I don't know who I was talking to just within the last week. They're like, you moron. They can't do that. I'm like, why? They're like, it's a national landmark. I was like, Oh, like I knew Wrigley was, I honestly, and again, I was a Walter Payton bear. I'm a Walter Payton bears fan. I'm a couch bears fan. I've never been a hardcore bears fan. That's a fact. So the fact that I, that I didn't know that Soldier Field was a national landmark um, is on me, but I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, so that, that's who's heading to Seattle, folks. We have Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, Dansby Swanson of the Cubs, Luis Robert Jr. from the White Sox. Now, you know, it used to be it, it seeming, seemingly decades ago where the All-Star game was just that, the All-Star game. And, you know, at some point, the Home Run Derby popped into view and the Home Run Derby has been around for a while. And we've got some really classic moments from the Home Run Derby, which I always enjoyed more than the All-Star game itself, for obvious yeah, reasons. Me too, yeah. Um, but the All-Star week has really turned into a true week with a bunch of other items thrown into it. So if we look at the the All-Star week kind of schedule, so everyone's in the loop here, um, the, the week 
really, I guess, begins on Friday, July 8th. They have some league things that they do, or excuse me, Friday, July 7th. They have some league things that they do. Um, but really, as far as anything we're concerned about here, uh, Saturday, July 8th is the All-Star Futures game, which is essentially a bunch of top prospects from a variety of teams that participate in a All-Star Futures game. Uh, Sunday, July 9th is the MLB Draft. Um, the MLB Draft, as many of you remember, was in June and they moved it to um, the middle of all-star week, which I think is kind of extremely compelling. And if I'm being honest, I, I kind of like it there better. I do too. Um, it, it makes for a good continuation of, like you said, like all-star week. I think it's, it's, it's well-placed. Um, I have always still believed that the hype behind any, uh, draft like MLB draft or NFL draft. There's so much hype behind it. And these kids are so young that they still may not see playing time for a couple of years. Um, but I do like it's, it's timing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. I think it, it, it is one of those situations. I think if you're someone who's being paid in the MLB draft in the middle of what is all-star week um it just, just gives more credence to it gives more attention and that's what this league's going for right between the 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 uh the rules whether you you love them or hate them i mean this is the the uh the main goal of this whole league is to get more viewership to bring more uh eyes onto the game and to get more engagement i think that's a big part of doing it so anyway we'll get into the draft here in a moment talking about what that means for the cubs and the Sox. But Monday, then, uh, July 10th, is the Home Run Derby. And then, of course, Tuesday evening, July 11th, is the All-Star Game at T-Mobile Park there in Seattle, home of the Mariners. Um, so the MLB draft, Romanelli, um, this is the first time you and I have really talked about the draft. I'm not sure how much you follow it. I, I do tend to follow it with some, with some detail. How about how about you? A little bit. Um, I know that I looked at they have like a, a top 20 mock draft. Uh, that I looked at, they're looking at a shortstop out of Georgia as their potential first pick, another uh, another first baseman out of Michigan State. So, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of reading. I'll be honest with you, uh, more this year than years past because of uh, the world-famous Crosstown uh, baseball show. Um, <laughs> so so uh, it, it it's – it's piqued my interest more than it has in years past, especially, I'll be honest, not only because of what you and I are doing, but because right now both teams are dead. They're, they're dead. It, it's yeah. only July 3rd, but they're dead. There's nothing to look forward to. The Cubs losing streak, the White Sox not doing anything. Um, so it's given me a little bit of interest to, look to see what's coming i i know like let's see if i if i look at not so much the draft but if i looked at the class that was that was playing and you had matt mervis and there was so much hype behind him he's been current he's currently been a bust so they're talking about what's his name pete crow armstrong who's still tearing it up i still think that guy's too tiny to make <laughs> i do i think he's he's physically tiny and, and the, the Jose Altuve's of the world are one in a million. Um, so, I'm, I'm again, let me be wrong. But uh, I've been doing a little bit of reading on uh, the Cubs uh, draft, uh, potential draft, draft picks. That's about, all I, that's about all I have. I have been doing some, but not uh, delving into it. Well, let's set the stage here for everybody, because as I said, the MLB draft is Sunday, uh, July 9th. Um, obviously, um, the way that works is um, teams are sorted in draft order based on um, their record the previous season. There is a draft lottery, um, and the draft lottery is actually relatively new. The The MLB draft lottery was the first time they did it was actually last season, Um and I'm going to go ahead and pull up because I believe it is. 
I'm trying to remember how many picks is the first six spots of the draft lottery. So you have obviously like the M- the NBA based on your record. You have a percentage of, you know, say it take you have a 77% chance to get the first pick. Same thing with MLB for the first six picks. So um, that is already decided for uh, this year's draft. But if you look at the first round picks for our teams um, in the first round, the Cubs will select 13th overall and the White Sox will select 15th overall two spots later um in the second round the cubs actually forfeit forfeited their early second round pick because of signing dansby swanson who is a qualified free agent so that means folks that if you sign a qualified free agent in the previous offseason that team you signed them from and took them away from gets your pick is what that how that works um the Sox on the second round pick 51. So they're picking 15 and then 51. Uh, the Cubs, though they um, lost their early second round pick, they do get a compensatory pick in the second round pick 68. And that's for Wilson Contreras going to the Cardinals. So um, Cubs are 13, Cubs are 68, Sox are 15, Sox are 51. So I guess what I want to know from you, Romanelli, is you look at some of the the history of the Cubs first round picks recently. Now we all know the, the, the three year kind of um, home run picks, 13, 14 and 15. If I can remind everyone, 2013 was Chris Bryant, 2014 was Kyle Schwarber, 2015 was Ian Happ, all first round picks since then, maybe a little hit and miss. Um, the last year they picked Cade Horton, out of University of Oklahoma. Um, he's a right-handed pitcher. Jordan Wicks, left-handed pitcher the year before. When you look at this Cubs team right now, and they're ranked 12th in overall farm system out of the whole league, all of Major League Baseball, they're 12. Kind of where do you see them right now? What would you like them to to to? Uh, what would you like their approach to be come the draft? How honest do you want me to be? Very. Fire Jed Hoyer. Oh, man, we're going there. Okay. <laughs> and I only say that because look at your drafts when Theo was in charge. And now look at your drafts when Jed is in charge. I think there's something to be said for those who have it and those who don't. And I don't know if I'm wrong. I don't know. But, but we're, we're, we're sitting in a, in a boat of mediocrity, and I don't see it changing anytime soon the hype behind Chris Bryant was huge the hype behind the 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 unknowing hype behind uh Schwarber was huge remember um uh oh my god Theo went and scouted uh Schwarber himself went to Indiana, went and found him himself and went nuts. We're not hearing any of that from any Cubs brass about any players coming up. We're we're just not that we're just not. And that, that worries me. It's not that their hearts aren't in it. It's not that they're, you know, that they're not doing the right job. They just might not have, the, the same baseball IQ that Theo had. Um, and I think it's, it, it's evident. I think it's evident from the top down. You've got, you've got good coaches. You've got a phenomenal pitching coach. Uh, you've got a good coach in Napoli at first. They've got a solid coaching staff. Ross, whether you like him or hate him, he knows what he's doing. He's made some mistakes, but Again, if you don't have a – we talked about this last week. If you don't have a solid first baseman, if you don't have solid corner infielders, you're screwed. Morell was playing third base today. Now, I talked about that before. Maybe he should be playing third base. So now maybe he will be. Um, how do I feel about it? Eh, because I don't necessarily know if I'm looking at Vradenberg from Michigan State. Um, the dude is 6'7". That's huge. So – um, that's something to look forward to, but how long is it going to be before he comes up? Now, he needs to come up sooner than later because they don't have a first baseman. Mm-hmm. But are you going to, but, um, I feel like I yelled into the mic, sorry. Um, 
but Mervis is proof that all the hype got to him and all the pressure and all the, he's ready, he's ready, he's ready. And he tanked and he hasn't even made his way back. Neither has wisdom made his way back. So you, you've got a few guys that went, that got sent down that you're not hearing rumblings of any of them coming back. So the Cubs need to do some serious digging on who they're going to pick and know three or four more things than you and I know. Yeah. And I don't know. And I don't know at the moment if they do. Well, I mean, and we'll see because this is when you look at trying to build a team and you're where the Cubs are at right now, which quite frankly, and we've talked about this in the past where there's, you know, teams like the Dodgers and the Rays that, that do both. Well, they acquire current major leaguers and they scout major leaguers, but they also are good at scouting at the college level and putting together good draft picks. And it seems that they always have a good system, a good farm system, along with being able to be competitive at the major league level. I feel like the Cubs are in this in between space where it's, we don't really know what we're building at the major league level. I mean, hell Stroman, looking like he's not going to be extended. So that sends you some sort of message right now that the team is not willing to commit to that. And so you put what they're trying to do now at the major league level with what they may or may not be wanting to do in the farm system. And you start to wonder like where, where our eggs are in which basket here? Like, are you committed to doing both? Are you committed to building the farm system? Are we not talking about major league talent until Pete Crow Armstrong and, and, and co are here? Like which one is it? And I still don't know. Maybe the draft will tell us about that. I think, I think you make a good point in not knowing I would give anything to be a fly on the wall in the Tampa Bay offices, in the offices of the Rays. They have no payroll. They continue to, I mean, they're killing the AL East. It started with um, Joe Madden back in the day when they Mm -hmm. went, when the Cubs went and got Joe Madden, Theo knew something that nobody else knew. They're still doing it. No one else has been in Tampa's ear since Theo and Joe Madden. And I wonder, like, like what are they doing? And I said to you, my, my, my underdog pick or team that I wanted to watch this year was Baltimore and they're still playing well. Yeah. What are they, what are they doing? Is it, is it the whole idea of guys that are hungry, young and hungry surrounded with just enough uh, veteran leadership to do well is, is like, like Swanson's not over the hill. Hap is in the prime of his career. These guys should be leading to where, and and again, Hap is Swanson is it's why um, Hap won a gold glove. It's why Swanson is part of the all-star team. So those guys are, are, you know what you're going to get out of those guys. You don't know what yeah. you're getting out of first, out of third catcher. Uh, the biggest bust of the year still is Suzuki. That's a huge hole. You don't have a center fielder. Half of your team that takes the field is is below average. And they are 100% exactly where I said they would be. For everything to go perfect, for them to win 500, to be at 500, everything's got to go perfect. And it's not. I don't know where they're headed. I don't know if they know. Well, and and I'll say this. I'll play devil's advocate here and say that it, it doesn't really need to be one or the other. And it goes back to the Dodgers and the race thing, right? Like, it really doesn't need to be one or the other. Like, when we get that answer on what the approach is, it shouldn't be one or the other. Like, the draft truly is independent of the major league team in that. Yes. And, and, it, and it mimics that that draft approach of like best player available and teams that do this well, will tell you that whether you're picking number two in the overall, you're picking number 58 overall, you're taking the best player available. It's not always prudent for teams to be taking what would they consider, what they would consider a positional need. So if you are taking best player available, great. Then that really runs independent of the major league team. But, um, but still, a lot of questions um, as far as what their approach is. And one thing I'm, I'm noticing here, or I guess I was reminded of as I'm looking at the the Cubs' recent picks, I 
I always am just am amazed when I'm reminded that Kyle, Kyle Schwarber was drafted as a catcher. Yep. He was drafted as a catcher. Uh, he caught a couple games. Uh, they have said recently uh, on air that the biggest mistake that they've made in the recent uh, uh, breaking up of the Cubs was getting rid of Kyle Schwarber. Mm -hmm. Still. Um, he's only hitting, he's hitting, he's hitting below 200. However, still over 20 runs, still like 55 RBIs. His OPS is through the roof. And every time I watch that dude swing, I'm like, man, he scares me. Remember I said about when certain yeah. guys come to the plate, they scare you. Schwarber still scares me. Yes. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yep. yep. You uh, you look at the other side of town here. Um, we we spoke about the Cubs having the twelfth ranked farm system, uh, pretty much in the middle of the pack. Uh, can't say the same for the White Sox; they're ranked twenty sixth. And I can tell you just from what I know, it is certainly a weak farm system, which is why you know when we have discussions about where this team is going in the immediate future here, it gets pretty scary pretty fast. If you're and, and this is why, without going into too much detail, because I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about this. You know, depending on what they do with this major league team, this is why we are getting so worried when we hear, well, let's tear it down and do another rebuild. Because this is not a, if they tear it down again, folks, this is not a, another two, three-year rebuild. With the way their farm system looks right now, you could be looking at another five to six years at minimum. And that's a rough proposition. So, um, it, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. It is now the time for you and I to swoop in and buy the team. Oh, great. Yeah. All right. It, Perfect. It, it just is. I mean, when you say that you said 26th, right? Their farm system? 26th. There's only 30 teams. So it can't get as sadly, like it can't get much worse. You've got Oakland, Kansas City, and who else below them? Like, like, come on. And again, I hate this for, I hate this the same way I hate it for the Mets. I know they spent a shit ton of money, but to be in a market like Chicago, in a market like New York, in a market like California, and to be that bad when you have all the resources in the world. And, and Cohen went out and spent all the money for the Mets. Reinsdorf can go out and spend the money, and he's not. Right. And, right. He's, just, and he's just sitting. And how the guy – I don't know, man. Like, if I owned a major league team, I would be – happy all the time like that's like dream come true kind of money it is and to not want to do everything in your power to win every year like love or hate the steinbrenner family god damn it they they love what they did and they they just wanted to kick ass and take names and they didn't care yeah absolutely and why both sides of chicago don't do that is beyond me well it it is it puts us because of that i don't even know what you'd call it i don't even know if you'd call it submissiveness or or ambivalence i guess is the better word of of true winning and true year to year competitiveness we're in the position now where we are talking about what is this white Sox team going to do as we get closer to the trade deadline and i'll talk about that in a little moment in a moment here because i've had a come to jesus conversation with myself to figure that out um but the reality is they are ranked 26 with their farm system and their recent picks. I mean, you look at these recent picks last year was Noah Schultz left-handed power pitcher. I mean, people compared him to, to Chris sale. I don't love doing comparisons or comps, but that's, they're saying he's like a Chris sale type out of uh, Oswego East high school. I thought that was interesting last yeah. year's picks right out of our backyard. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, coming up here, when you think about what they, what they're going to do um, here in 2023 with their pick, Quite frankly, I, I mimic what I said earlier. This team, with where they're at uh, with their farm system and what the many unknowns at the, at the MLB level, at the major league level, um, I need them picking best player available, and I need them banking on someone who is going to get in the majors in the next three to five years. More on the three-year timetable. I mean, this is this is going to be a big pick for them. Um, this is one. If if there's ever one that I said they can't mess up. They really can't mess up this 15th overall pick in the first round. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I would agree with you. I think um, a lot needs to be 
a lot of things need to be taken into consideration. I think the same way you had a come to Jesus talk with yourself, uh, the, co- uh, the Sox brass needs to have a, a come to Jesus talk with themselves. Where are we? What are we going to do? Do we clean house? As far as I, and I said it before, the only one that's non-negotiable is cease. Everybody else can go. Even, even Luis Roberts, because Luis Roberts, I guess you could use as a, as a chip. Sure. Um, especially now. Um, but I don't know. I just don't know. What do you do? How do you get, how do you get fans to go to the park? How do you get, I don't know. How do you get motivation to, to win when there's no excitement in the dugout, when there's no, when there's no overly positive news on a consistent basis coming from the South side? All fair questions, um, because that's the reality that we're in. Um, and to talk about that come to Jesus conversation that I had with myself, you know, I baseball is very interesting the way I approach baseball because I feel like people approach it different ways. I, like you, am obsessed with it. Uh, we're we're obsessed with it to the point where we obviously have our favorite teams here, but we follow the league. We, we get excited for things like the all-star game. We don't matter who's in the world series. We're watching every game, but, but I think there are fans that take everything the team does very personally. And when things are going well, it's the best day in the world. When things are going bad, they're just, it, it's the bane of their existence and it lets them affect their mood. And, I admit sometimes they get like that. And I think it's very easy to get like that now when you start, especially the season ticket holder, which by the way, adds a whole other dimension to it that I've never experienced before. So that's a whole other conversation, but I've kind of came to terms with the fact that this team is not going anywhere this year. Um, I've come to the terms with the fact that because they're not going anywhere, this team as it exists now is doomed to be either, heavily altered or torn apart and I have to be ready for what comes up in the next few years because I you you said it you said it well that the front office needs to get in a room and have that look in the mirror come to Jesus conversation with themselves and unless you are absolutely not watching the same things that we're watching and do not are not on planet earth there is no way you look at this team and go let's run it back. And there's no way you look at this team and go, Hey, we're in a good position in the next three to four years. We're just, we're just not. So I'm prepared to enjoy the ride, enjoy the things like Luis Robert killing it, enjoying the things like, Oh, Hey, Oscar Colas may come back up and, you know, actually play good ball after his stint back in AAA. like these little things, the, the game experience going to the ballpark, which I love. Like there's no point on me getting frustrated about it because the way I see it is change is going to come to this team and it's going to be for the better, whether it's unfortunately Rick Hahn turning it over or whether it's Jerry Reinsdorf saying Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, see you later. You're no longer a tenured member of this organization. You need to leave or whether it's Jerry selling the team, whether it's two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, it will come. This will be different. I don't know when I don't know how, but I will. Hang on to that. I'm going to say two things. One, it better be in five years or less because none of us are getting any younger. No. Um, They show no signs in the foreseeable future of getting any better. Not at all. Um, The Cubs... Well, let me let, let me stick with the Sox. Uh, I see no signs of them getting better. I don't feel like there's a leader in the clubhouse. You don't hear anything from Kenny or Rick talking about uh, consistent winning uh, or major changes or or mindset. Nothing. It's got it in my mind. It needs a complete overhaul, and it has to happen now. It you know. There is no more like, well, let's give them one more year. We talked earlier, not earlier today, but earlier in one of the podcasts about Kenny and Rick's time is up. It's long up. 
They've, they've got to go. It's got to happen within the next five years. Has to. Yes. I, and this is all I want. And like I said, you're right. It has to, it has to happen in the, in the next five years. But you look at the teams around baseball and the fun teams to watch. You know, you, the Orioles you mentioned, the Rays, um, the Dodgers year after, the, year after year. You know, all I want is I want the White Sox to hold true to who they are at their core. And what I mean is historically what they've been what the franchise means, what it means to play on the White Sox, what it means to have that South side mentality, because that we talked about that last week, that uh, that's a real thing. And to me, I've always viewed it as scrappy persistence, persevering, working class, hardcore. Those are the things that I associate with White Sox baseball. And yet we have half of the team are prima donnas and worry about themselves and don't care about the team effort. Here's, Clean house. Clean house. Yeah. Here's the here's where here's where the disconnect is for me. Frank Thomas was fearless. Burley was fearless. I despise AJ with every ounce of my being as a player, but he was fearless. They were fearless. Yeah. They and and they would bowl over you. And, and pitch their hearts out and, and play their hearts out. And, and, and there was no, there was, when Frank Thomas came to the plate, you were scared. When Burley was on the mound, you were scared. Nobody liked AJ because he had a chip on his shoulder. They brought, they brought the, the intangibles to that team. No one has an intangible, not a, let me say, I don't want to say no one, yeah. but not enough people have the intangibles. You need at least three for, for, for example, I'll use, I'll use the Cubs. The middle infield in the Cubs is the best in all of baseball in Swanson mm-hmm. and, and Nico. And it's proven the numbers are there. Those are intangibles. Okay. Yeah. You've got Stroman as an intangible. He's fearless. He's winning. You've got Steele as a intangible. He's fearless. He's winning. You've got, you've got half with a gold glove. That's not an intangible. That's fact. So you've yeah. got, You've got solid guys for the Cubs to whereas the White Sox, there's no one with an intangible that so so maybe Roberts is your is your one who brings more than just his name when he comes to the plate, when he's on the field. But but that's one out of nine. That is a terrible statistic. So I'll tell you that you talk about intangibles and that's important. And I'll give you and I love how you framed it with that previous team, previous White Sox, Thomas, Burley, Brzezinski. Then you're getting closer to the 2005 championship team. And when you talk about the intangibles that they have, they were absolutely the team where they're going to kick your ass and they're going to commit to it. And they're going to do anything that they could to do that. And, and they had that grit, that ferocity. And when I look at the Sox now, if I could copy and paste those kind of those ferocious kind of, kind of get in your face intangibles, Lance Lynn and Liam Hendricks, Say what you will about Lance Lynn not performing this year because he isn't what he's what he should be. You know, he's right. not at the all-star level, but I'll give it to Leon Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah. Like those two, those go ahead. Sorry. The, those two are the epitome of what White Sox baseball should be. I want it back to what it used to be of if, and, and this is <clears throat> now we're telling a bigger story here, quite frankly. Now we're getting very meta here in a way, because that's why, if I can What's be honest, but two things. One, you need to, because they are the only gods I believe in, are the baseball gods. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They're the only. You don't, mess, you don't mess with the baseball gods. You, you don't. don't. You don't step on first base when you're going in and out of the field. You don't. You just don't. You right. Don't, there are certain things you don't do. <laughs> well, and, and here, here's the deal. And, I, and I, I say that to say that. It is. I just want it the way that it used to be. And I don't know if that's giving it back to Kenny. I beg to differ. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's bringing someone in here that knows how to build a team who has a kind of a, 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 a leads with accountability. And, and that's why I kind of am bummed about, 
I think Pedro Griffol, I don't think we need, I don't think we have enough information to know, no. honestly, how, no. how he is the manager, but his mentality, when he had that press conference that first day and he interviewed with the media after it, he literally said, and this is White Sox baseball. We're going to get here. We're going to be here at seven o'clock every night, ready to kick your ass. And that's great. And that's a great soundbite. That's true. That's what we want to be. But I don't know that that rests with other people in his lineup and in the front office. I think Pedro believes that. And I think he gets really pissed off when that's not the case. But I think it is a case of a guy being in a not an ideal situation. He was handed that lineup. Rick Hahn's been there for far too long. We're talking way too long about this other than to sum it up. I, I That's what I want it to be. And I'm, I'm going to wait until it gets back to where I have known White Sox baseball to be all these years. Even when I was a Cubs fan, following White Sox baseball, it, you know, when I switched over, would have been four or five years now that I've been a White Sox fan, it, it all slowly, slowly worked in my mind my way back to, to the White Sox because of the way they played ball, because of those characteristics and intangibles. And now to see it just evaporate is frustrating. Yeah, to, to say the least. Um, they're, yeah, it's just, I can't say much about them being difficult to watch after watching the Cubs completely implode today. They blew a six-run lead. They made more than one questionable decision to the bullpen. Magical uh, ruined his hamstring. That was by far the single worst loss I believe that they've had this year. Um, but anyway, I mean, we're sticking with all-star stuff. So <laughs> it's um, all good. <laughs> but this was just a shit. Today was just a shit show. Well, I did, I did have one like all-star thought. And it's evaded me and hopefully it'll come back to me. Anyway, go ahead. No problem. And I, I do want to, we're, we're part of the all-star conversation today was certainly laying out the all-stars and the all-star week and kind of what's coming up. And we'll talk about more about it next week as we get closer and into the thick of things, especially the day after the MLB draft. So um, we'll have a lot to talk about, about the guys that were drafted in the first couple rounds on next Monday. But um, all of this was really a segue into what we're talking about now. And that is what to make of these teams going into what's immediately after the all-star break is the trade deadline. And I've, as you all can tell over my, in my soapbox over the last seven minutes has been, I've resigned to the fact that the Sox team is going to change and that they're going nowhere. They will not get a playoff spot. They will not be in the playoffs this year. Um, and if you look at the white Sox and the Cubs record, oh. they're essentially um, they're essentially mirroring each other. Sox are 37 and 49 Cubs are 48 or excuse me, 38 and 45. That, the was, my, that was my question. Go ahead and finish, but go ahead. And, and more secondarily to that is the Sox are still five and a half games out, you know, make your debates on if that's close enough or not. I tend to think it's not um, the Cubs though are seven games out. So it, kind of a different story with, with, with the Cubs right now, as far as, where they take this through July through the trade deadline. And my question come hell or high water, Ricketts was like, we're buyers. You've just blown it hard. There's no way that that is true. No Not way. Not anymore. Not anymore. How can you be buyers when you've lost six of your last seven? Um, and you're not answering the Stroman question and shame on them for not potentially extending him, all that stuff. And you have no one else if you have. So I take that back. If you have steel, fine. Hendricks will retire a cub in a year or two. He's not going anywhere. No one's going to sign Hendricks. I don't believe. Um, but, but again, if you have Hendricks and steel and Stroman, that's a hell of a one, two, three. Why would you not sign him? But you're not buyers now. You're not. Okay. Agreed on all of that. I'm going to throw something out here and I, and I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm not trying to come back to this because it's the thing everyone talks about, but this is just legitimately a, a, a consideration. There has been one player that has fundamentally changed everything about this game on the field, 
off the field, monetarily, how teams put into the list of how they're going to run their teams. Shohei Otani, okay? Mm-hmm. Are the Cubs in a position right now where they're thinking, we're not doing a damn thing. We're not committing to anybody. We're not projecting anybody. Let's reinforce the team at the deadline the best we can because my singular focus is Shohei Otani, and I'm not doing anything to jeopardize the long-term commitments of this team until I know what's happening with that. Then I say, and I have two words, three words, I guess, $1 billion. That's what you give Otani. You and I had talked about this before. I was like, 500 million? You're like, dude, he's doing everything from both sides of the, the plate. So so you're not signing Bellinger, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to dump. Then you're going to dump um, Suzuki. Although Suzuki is the one who's trying to get him here. Yeah. But he is not performing well enough to stay. You don't have... Then, then you have no bench. You have, you, you've got decent, you've got a decent pitching staff outside of what happened today. Um, could they make a, a legitimate run? Yeah, I think they can. Will they? Based on my belief of how Tom Ricketts operates, no, because. They didn't go after uh, Machado, who was really the number one. Were they, though, this whole time looking two years ahead, saying, okay, let's get one of the best shortstops that we can without going over the top and getting Machado, saving every – I don't want to say saving our money, but making enough moves to stay close and whatever to all of a sudden go and get – Otani, does he put them over the top? That dude is playing out of his mind. And he's playing for the Angels who aren't doing anything. My fear is that they overpay, not overpay. I don't know how you can overpay for a, a, a beyond generational once in a lifetime talent who is clearly as good, if not better than Babe Ruth, uh, minute by minute. Does he come to the Cubs who are historically known to never know how to finish. Like, like 2016, not that 2016 was a miracle because everything seemed to have been in the cards for the Cubs that everything, everything from 108 years to 108 stitches on the baseball to like, like everything, all the everything that was like almost destined to happen. Is is Otani destined for Chicago just because of uh, Suzuki? No, but I will use your own argument and flip it a bit because you say that it's it's not in Ricketts' DNA, and there's no previous history to 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 assume that Ricketts would be okay making this move. And this is where I beg to differ, actually, because from my view, one thing I know about Ricketts and know about that team, you look at the whole tenure of that Ricketts family and Tom and everything that he's done, it's always been to make the Cubs a cash cow. Building out Wrigley, putting spaces around Wrigley, marquee, it's always been how much can we monetize the Cubs more than they already are by the nature of them being the Cubs. This is not just adding a player. This is adding, like you said, a once-in-a-generation player, the the best player we've ever seen, someone who just by their sheer presence makes your franchise more valuable, has more eyes on you, brings in more money. I think they're looking at it not only as a player, but they're looking at it as an investment because, quite frankly, and you said it, how do you overpay? You don't. And even from a standpoint of baseball, you don't overpay because what if, Seven years into his contract, he can't pitch anymore. Well, he can freaking hit. What if he can't hit anymore? Well, he can still pitch. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, the DH, not a problem anymore because now the whole everyone has a DH. Like I think Ricketts is looking at the dollar sign and going, if I'm ever gonna do this with any player, 
it's going to be this one. That it's, it's the one player. You may be right, and I and I hope you're right. Um, because my in my mind, um, they 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 did it when they the difference between when the Cubs won and the White Sox won. I felt that the White Sox caught lightning in a bottle in 05. I think the Cubs were building toward it and they did it with young guys who weren't making, you know, top a dollar. They were all making good money. Let's not fucking kid ourselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they weren't making that free agent 300 million. Now you're, you're, you actually, you make a lot of sense that, that Otani himself is the cash cop. He himself is, he get, he guarantees to sell. He alone will guarantee 80 sellouts a year, every year for the next 10 years. Yeah. You're right. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe he is. And maybe that's why they let Stroman go because they let Stroman go because they can take Otani. But but imagine now Stroman, Otani, imagine that. Otani, Stroman, Steele. And 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 Hendricks for two more years. Holy shit! Imagine that as your four or five, or your one through four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it comes down to. And you've got you you've got the best middle infield in the game. You've got yeah. a, you've got a gold glove left fielder. You've got Pete Crow Armstrong who plays center field, who I still don't think is ready, but. Um, Otani can more than make up for it. Jesus Christ. He's got 30 home runs before the all-star break. It, it comes down to. Then, what he's, been, then, he's hit, then he's hitting in Wrigley. Right. Right. Well, it comes down to what we've been talking about this whole time. We've been doing this show is it comes down to the main point of the Cubs can pay for these things. And if you're seeing Otani as an investment, then that investment should pay dividends. You should have a return on that investment. And that's going to allow you to put more into this team. So again, my theory of them just focusing on Otani, that could be the case. But part of me is like, if, even if that is the case, like you need to surround him with people. Don't, don't, don't copy and paste what the angels are doing with Otani and bring right. him over here. And you have the money to avoid that. That's true. So what the Cubs should do is print 40,000 Otani jerseys right now. And just just sell Otani jerseys at Wrigley from now until the trade deadline. That's it. Just fucking just go all in. That's funny. That's funny. That's almost like the 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 Blackhawks fan fans buying those Bedard jerseys. Yeah, before he's even drafted. Before he's even drafted. And it's funny about that is then NHL once they knew they were getting the first pick. The NHL was like, oh, you can't custom make these jerseys anymore. Sorry. They're waiting yeah. until he actually is drafted. That's nuts. Did, um, you, did you hear, speaking of, real quickly, uh, did you hear about Vegas and the Bedard uh, um, pick? No. Vegas would not allow you to bet that the Blackhawks were going to pick Bedard. They wouldn't even allow, they wouldn't even take it as a bet. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like the surest bet in the world. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. We've gone down the rabbit hole, which means we've had some good conversation as always. Um, as we wrap up here, because we're getting to the hour mark, I wanted to, um, before we get into more all-star stuff and draft recap um, next Monday, folks, I wanted to end with a really cool all-star game trivia question that concerns the Cubs. And Romanelli, I need you to put your thinking cap on for me. I can do this. Fantastic. We'll see. All right. So the Braves this year for the 2023 all-star game uh, are, are leading all teams with eight all-stars uh, representing the National League. They tie the record for the most all-stars for a National League club. And they tie with eight from the 1943 Cardinals, eight from the 1956 Reds, eight from the 1960 Pirates, and eight from the 2008 Cubs. Can you name all eight All-Stars 
that went to the All-Star game on the 2008 Cubs? No. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I know it, no. Um, Take some uh, guesses. Sosa. Uh, uh, Kerry Wood. Oh, Kerry Wood's one. Sosa's not. Sosa's not. Okay. Kerry Wood, 2008. Soriano. Ooh, nice. Um, God, I still want to go- cheat and Google, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> um, Aramis Ramirez. Ooh, nice, nice. Okay. Derek Lee. Nope. Uh, yeah, see, I don't, I don't know this. Um, what about some pitchers? Traxel? No. What about the last Japanese player to be signed by the Cubs? Or that's not so, that's not right. Seiya Suzuki, obviously. No. Um, shit. He I hit in, in his debut, he hit a game tying home run. Oh, against Kosuke. the Brewers. Kosuke. Kosuke, yes. Um, <laughs> because, man, when, when that, when that dude was drafted and I, I remember like his last name, I was like, that can't be real. <laughs> Every Cubs fan child, every Cubs fan teenager just got a kick out of that one. Um, um, so you said already, Kerry Wood, Aramis Ramirez, Alfonso Soriano, Kosuke Fukudome. How about some of how about some of these? These these will surprise you. Ryan Dempster. Oh yeah. Carlos Marmol. Yeah. Carlos Zambrano. Oh, duh, you dumbass. And the catcher, who we all thought was going to have a great career and totally fell off the off the table. He actually played with the Sox for a year. I can't. I don't know. Giovanni Soto. Oh, Soto. <laughs> so those, oh, are your, those are your eight All-Stars from 2008. They're Kerry Wood, Carlos Marmol, Ryan Dempster, Carlos Zambrano, Giovanni Soto, Kosuke Fukudome, Alfonso Soriano, Aramis Ramirez. What a group. Yeah, I loved Ramirez. I forgot about Soto. I had an opportunity to, if I remember when we were going to go down to uh, Springfield. Yes. Uh, over Memorial Day weekend, he played in that tournament or in that little, in that charity game. Did he really? Uh-huh. He did. Along with Farnsworth and a couple other guys, I can't remember. Oh man, you look at that! You look at that 2008 team. How about this for some? I just went ahead and googled the 2008 team too, just because I was curious. And I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna throw some names out at you for some throwbacks. Mark DeRosa, Ryan Terrio, um, Jim Edmonds was on that team. Oh God! Do you remember the 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 um, much beloved? In Chicago, Ronnie Cedeno, um, <laughs> Daryl Ward, Micah Hoffpower, Matt Merton. Wow, all these names. Micah Hoffpower. <laughs> Matt Matt Merton was was like the tough everyman. I liked him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike Fontenot, Reed Johnson, Reed Johnson. Reed Johnson was a stud. Woo. He was a bad. Another guy who had a chip on it. He was a badass. That dude. Ugh. I liked him. Oh man, this was the height of my Cubs fandom. Was this team he right here? He played hard. My goodness. Oh, Rich Hill when he was twenty-eight was a lifetime ago. Right. Still pitching. <laughs> he, he and he and Jamie Moyer are gonna walk in the old folks' home together. <laughs> neither of, oh. neither of whom I could hit ever, even now. Oh I never my. Never hit a pitch from them. Never. Of course, of course not. Oh, that was a fun one. Um, 
All right, folks, uh, that's it today for the Crosstown Baseball Show. Um, thanks for joining us here for an All-Star Week rundown. Next week, we'll be in the heart of All-Star Week. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the All-Star, or excuse me, the MLB Draft. We'll recap that next Monday, the 10th. Um, we'll also preview um, the All-Star Game that will be the following day. And so definitely follow us wherever you get your podcast, but also be sure to follow us and subscribe on youtube it's the best place to both listen and watch us so please make sure you subscribe and we'll catch you next week here on the crosstown baseball show until then go white Sox, go Cubs. take care everybody.